WebmasterRadio.fm. Make an impact on your interactive marketing through performance, advertising, community outreach, and technology. Be captivated by the people who are leading the wave of change in the online marketplace. This is who AdTech is. Your weekly radio show. Get behind the scenes with industry giants. Be privy to the insider track. Witness the newest technologies. Make sure you're in the scene each week with AdTech Connect. You're connected now with your host. Welcome to AdTech Connect on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is your host, Dana Todd, standing in for Susan Bratton. Thank you for joining us. Susan is on vacation and gave me the freedom to pick my own guest today. So since analytics is a hot topic for me, I own an interactive agency and we use a lot of analytics in our practice. I find that analytics is one of the hottest topics in the industry, but it's also one of the most confusing. And and certainly there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of interesting things to talk about there. So we decided to have the Analytics Power Hour and three guests today represent three of the top companies in the analytics space, coming at this from kind of completely different angles. Our first guest up today is Heather, Heather Doherty. She's the senior retail analyst for Nielsen Net Ratings and is a leading authority in online commerce and marketing. She's been covering so she's got quite an exciting background in, in covering online retail and uh, the various world of e-commerce. She worked with Gartner Group before that and also with Jupiter Research. So we're excited to have her as our first guest today. Uh, following that will be a segment with Yang Ben Song, a very popular speaker from Atlas Institute. He's the director of analytics as well as the Atlas Institute for Atlas. And our last guest of the day will be Chris Parkin. He's the senior director of uh, product marketing at Omniture a completely different kind of analytics. So we're going to try to come at this in a, a very different sort of way. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to welcome my first guest, Heather Doherty. Again, she's the Senior Retail Analyst for Nielsen Net Ratings. Hi, Heather. Hi, Dana. How are you? I'm good. How is life today? Is it hot where you are? Um, it is. I'm in New York City, so it is extremely hot. Oh, well, then you're right across town from me. So, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> hot, hot, hot today. So I have a lot of questions for you. And uh-huh. Nielsen's a fascinating company, I think, to a lot of people because Nielsen has a, an incredibly long and rich history in analytics long before the Internet. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe just as a background, if you wouldn't mind, tell our audience a little bit about how you got into the space itself and, and what you do at, at Nielsen. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, you know, at Nielsen Net Ratings, you know, one kind of easy way to look at the company is that, you know, we're the Internet arm for Nielsen. So very similar to what Nielsen does with their TV panels, we do for the Internet. So basically, we provide measurement across the entire Internet universe by capturing all the clickstream behavior of our panelists. And so we do this by installing a meter on our panelist machines that captures everything that they do. And so it really allows us to provide insight across the entire Internet landscape and provide standardized metrics for our clients so they can look at things like unique audience as well as um, page views and different types of behavior. Um, My role at Nielsen Net Ratings is to do custom research for our retail and travel clients. And so, you know, we have a lot of syndicated tools that we offer, Um, to empower our clients to, you know, really pull their own data. But we also, you know, that is kind of the tip of the iceberg in terms of all the data that we collect. So 
I also create custom research to really mine the databases um, to provide additional insight and help our clients meet their objectives. So you've done a lot of projects, and what was the biggest surprise you ever got in studying user behavior from panels? Like there's a, maybe something that was totally contrary to popular marketing opinion or your, even your mm-hmm. own instincts. What was a big surprise mm-hmm. for you? Um, I think one of the you know, kind of recent surprises I've had is in doing some research and looking at um, how online buyers navigate and you know, what I, one thing that I learned was that online buyers are fairly decisive in their shopping behavior, and they tend to know which retailers that they want to buy from, which is somewhat surprising. Um, you know, they clearly research across a number of sites before they actually make a purchase. Um, but, you know, I think it's very surprising that when they're doing search, they're typing in names specifically very often. So they're saying, take me to Old Navy, take me to Walmart.com. And so, you know, they know specifically where they want to go rather than maybe um, being a little bit more exploratory and learning about different, um, you know, some different retailers that are out there. You know, they tend to, you know, really go towards the brand names, um, but in terms of the retailers. But one thing, um, another area that I find really surprising is that when we look at keywords that lead people to a purchase or to a visit on a retailer site, product brands tend to be represent about, you know, a little bit under 25% of these. And I would actually expect these to be more influential. And I see this across a number of categories, specialty apparel, um, also consumer electronics, which I thought was very surprising because there's so many well you know, really well-known established brands in that category. And so you would expect that people would be going directly for a Canon um, digital camera or Sony and um, Apple iPod, things like that. And, you know, there was a lot less of that than I expected to see. And I think that has some pretty important implications for brand advertisers that maybe they need to be more active and to really raise um, awareness, particularly for specific products. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that, that uh, NetRatings has just released some interesting new research around mm-hmm. search and the power of the brand. Can you tell us a little bit about the study? Sure, sure. So what we wanted to do was look at the navigational behavior of online buyers. And so we really wanted to understand how did they get to these retailer sites. And we wanted to, you know, kind of cut this across a few different ways. And so we looked at online buyers of specialty apparel um, online buyers of consumer electronics and also walmart.com shoppers so that way we could kind of get a um, you know a cross section of what's going on and so we wanted to determine you know what type of site people are using to be referred so we would consider it a referred visit if a visitor clicked on a link that took them right to a retailer site um, or we would consider it direct if they used a bookmark or just typed right into the URL to go to the site. And we found some pretty interesting things. Um, among specialty apparel buyers, 86% of the visits were by visitors that came right to their website. So these folks went directly to sites like Victoria's Secret and um, The Gap, Land's End. And then it was followed by 8% of visits that were coming from things like non-search. And so we would include um, display advertising, online ads, as well as web-based email in that category. And then the remaining 6% of referrals were search-driven. And so we also wanted to understand, you know, really how did that translate into sales? And we saw that, you know, in terms of the dollar contribution, so the visit that actually led to the exact purchase, whereas previously that could have been just researching, um, we mm-hmm. found that direct visits actually increased when you look at the dollars attributable um, to the source, and that increased to 91%. So you see really the vast majority of folks um, 
going right to the site before their visit. You know, this isn't to say that a lot of other research doesn't go on um, prior to that visit, Mm -hmm. Um, but certainly the ones that are um, coming right before a visit, it's coming right from, you know, they're going right to the sites. Um, Search remained about the same at 6%, and non-search actually decreased to about 3% of the spending. And when we look at the consumer... Does that mean that there's no chance for smaller, like, retailers who aren't big box or big brand retailers? Um, I mean, it definitely makes it a difficult landscape. That would be, um, you know, my my initial assessment, because certainly it's very, very difficult to compete against, you know, a Walmart, for example, um, because of the power of all the television advertising that they do. They're everywhere. You know, you drive past them all the time. So they have so many customer touch points that it is definitely mm-hmm. difficult. Um, but, again, it's not to say that, you know, just because search you know, represented 6% during a specific month that we looked at um, because we'd really, I think we'd be remiss if we kind of underestimated the power of search. Um, and most of the visits also, again, when we look at their behavior over that month, when we look at the people that made a purchase from a direct source, when we look at their behavior across the month, there is some proportion that happened at these at the other types of sites. So they also, you know, were referred maybe from an email that they received in their Yahoo Mail and some search. So all the behaviors do come into play. Um, but again, mm-hmm. it really does play into the fact that you know even in the search world, the the power of brand is really really. Um, uh, important, and we certainly see even with the types of keywords that they use, um, generally the retailer brands um, that people type in are actually have higher conversion and lead to higher sales as well. And I think that that's, that's again awesome. something kind of counterintuitive. Hmm. Well, I'm going to change subjects on you. So, uh-huh. not everybody understands maybe what net ratings is as far as why it's being lumped in often with analytics, but there's mm-hmm. sort of the what I consider to be the, the triad of analytics, which is that you have panel based analytics companies like yourself. You have sort of server side or, or site analytics products mm-hmm. like Omniture, Hitbox, Trends, things, as well as you have your ad serving mechanisms such as mm-hmm. Atlas, MediaPlex and others. So where where exactly does does net ratings fit into mm-hmm. the niche um, compared to other ad measurement companies? Do, do people view net ratings as sort of an add-on to their analytics suite, or do they choose analytics uh, from net ratings over uh, a, a more typical analytics? How does that usually work mm-hmm. in a sales process for you guys? Um, well, because we are panel-based, it's typically considered as an add-on um, because what panel-based research really um, can provide you is competitive intelligence that an internal analytics program cannot. So certainly internal analytics offer their clients a wealth of data, and they have tons of data about what's going on on their site, um, but it can't really offer as much perspective on what people do when they're not with the site. So what are they doing with the rest of their time? So if you're a retailer, um, which is you know obviously the ones that are kind of near and dear to my heart because that's... Um, uh, who I typically cover, retailers, they know who buys from their site. They don't know who, where their customers buying from competitors, um, what kind, you know, what's their share of wallet. So we can provide that type of value um, with really what's going on in the rest of the world. And also, we can standardize, you know, we offer these standard metrics because basically we take the panel and, you know, we're collecting all their online behavior and then we enumerate the panel and, you know, project it to make sure it's representative of the U.S. population. So we go through pretty, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a rigorous 
process to make sure that we can offer a in you know we can offer insight or a look at the world um, the internet universe as it applies to U.S. or whatever country that you may be looking at. And so it really offers a broader perspective than analytics. You know, we also do have an analytics um, product, but that one is very, you know, it's very different from the panel-based research. Um, so typically in a sales situation, it's considered an add-on. So, dumb question. You're, you're speaking of panels, and I think everyone knows that means that there's software installed on someone's computer that monitors mm-hmm. their behavior. Now, there's a lot of companies out there who call that adware mm-hmm. uh, and, and utilize the same mechanisms. How are you different from adware? And, and do your panelists and how many of them are there, how do, the, do they mm-hmm. know that they're being tracked? Yes, um, that would probably be the biggest difference is that our panelists opt in. Um, we don't bundle in, with software. They, you know, we have a couple different panels. You know, one is our NetView product, and that panel is recruited via random digit dial. So, you know, down in our um, call center, and it's actually the same call center that's used for the TV panels as well, you know, they call folks up and recruit them to join our panel. And so, you know, they go through a whole questionnaire to make sure that that's the right panelist that we need, you know, a female living in whatever DMA. And then, um, as an example, and then they are sent all the software to install. Um, so they actually, they know and they go through an entire process um, that we're going to be adding this onto their machines. Is there going to be any crossover as far as from an advertising standpoint? It would be great if I could say if I did a television buy, a radio buy, an outdoor, and an online buy, is any of that panel data being matched up and across like for the same person and being monitored in multiple medias? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exa- it's a um, very timely question and one that we're getting quite a bit. And we are actually beginning to install. Um, we're in a beta testing program that's beginning during the second half of this year. So, um, you know, fairly soon our implementation is currently going on is that we're installing meters on the TV panel folks so that we can do that um, cross-channel measurement and really start looking at convergence. Um, We're doing a lot in looking at online video as well, so how folks are watching, you know, maybe lost on online and trying to match that up so that that way we can help advertisers um, with their purchases so that they know that they can buy across channels and um, you know what? What is the true reach? So, if am I reaching someone both on TV as well as internet? You know, how many impressions are they actually seeing as well? That's so that's awesome. definitely something that's in in play right as we speak. Oh well, very timely. I, I wish we could talk yep. about it more, but we do need yep. to take a short break. So, I, please join me in thanking our guest again. We've been speaking with Heather Doherty, who's from Nielsen Net Writing. Thank you so much for joining us today and talking to us about uh, about your product and about the the industry overall. I learned a lot today. Thanks very much. Yeah. Great, it was great speaking with you. Great. Talk to you soon. So don't go away, folks. We're going to be right back. We'll just run to a commercial, and then we're going to be talking to Youngbin Song from Atlas Institute. Sit tight and don't move. Ad Tech Connect. We'll be right back. 3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types, hooker, escort, hookup, into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes, one click, great results. Google 
AdSense. How do I earn from thee? Let me count the ways. Google, you enable me to show targeted ads complementing my site so my visitors keep clicking throughout the day and night. It was so easy to apply and select the ad formats I liked. Since I've discovered AdSense, I've been filled with delight. So earn more with matching ads and you too can discover how. Just visit google.com slash AdSense now. Once a tool used exclusively for communicating with the media, PR Web was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct-to-consumer communication by implementing Web 2.0 technologies. PR Web has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news. For example, PR Web is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback. Whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise, PR Web is here to help. You thrive in the marketplace and the media. PR Web. Admit it, you've been working way too hard this year. Targeting traffic, optimizing your search engines, evaluating domains, and let's not forget long hours in traffic just to spend quality time with your family. Now imagine yourself in a lush tropical paradise, surrounded by the sights and sounds of tropical island music and fun, along with all of your friends in the B2B marketplace. Well, pack your bags and come down to Search Bash, Jamaica! WebmasterRadio.fm invites you to a weekend of island bliss. Webmaster Radio presents Search Bash Jamaica. September 15th through the 18th in the Grill, Jamaica. Log on now to SearchBash.com and sign up today. You know how big our Search Bash parties are. Now imagine a fabulous, all-inclusive, fun-filled weekend and a tropical island paradise. Rooms are filling up fast, so sign up now. Webmaster Radio presents Search Bash Jamaica. September 15th through the 18th in the Grill, Jamaica. Don't miss out. Log on to SearchBash.com. Come now. Now, back to Ad Tech Connect, only on Webmaster Radio.fm. Here's your host. Hi, and welcome back to Ad Tech Connect on Webmaster Radio.fm. This is Dana Todd standing in for Susan Bratton. And we are having a little one-hour analytics power hour today, covering the analytics industry from a number of different angles. Our next guest is Youngbin Song, the Director of Analytics and also the Director of Atlas Institute at Atlas. So welcome, Youngbin. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Dana. How are you? I'm sweltering here. It's a little it's a little <laughs> toasty in the city today, but we're all getting through it together. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. For those of you who haven't been uh, haven't had the pleasure of seeing Youngbin speaking, he's been responsible for analytic research and development in digital market for a very long time. He oversees the Atlas Institute, which is a sort of part of Atlas. We think of Atlas as being the analytics company that provides. Uh, ad-serving, analytics side-tracking, search-tracking, search tools, a lot of tool things, but they actually have a pretty significant research arm called the Atlas Institute. And I know that you guys have been doing some really interesting research about region frequency, how to optimize user tracking, and all kinds of nifty things. So we're very excited to have you here today. And I also know that you like Kix Serial. That, that was my favorite takeaway <laughs> from ad tech in Chicago was that you like Kixerial because I like Kixerial too. It's actually one of made my childhood favorites. I'm going to go out and buy some now just because of you. They're not just so for kids. 
They're not for kids. They're totally for grown-ups. Right. So I have a question for you. Why does everyone think that analytics is so easy? A lot of our clients really undervalue it. Maybe we're not doing a good job of explaining to them how important it is and how tricky it is. Why does everybody think it should be free or low-cost? or why, why does it seem so easy and yet really is quite difficult and, frankly, hard to, even harder to get accurate? Yeah, I think that one of the biggest uh, uh, misled expectations in our space is, is, is that everything is, is automated and that you can get all of your answers from a simple dashboard or a simple report. And, and quite frankly, that's what a lot of companies and a lot of technology companies especially sell. Um, you know, they go in and, 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 and their pitch is the fact that all of this, you know, great analytics, all of these amazing research tools come at a push of a button. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, great analytics, um, you know, comes from really smart people who know how to use the tools, understand the data, and, and, and are able to, you know, really pull those insights out. And, and, and that's really kind of where the breakdown is or the gap between people's expectations and, and, and what's reality um, is that, you know, when you look at the agencies and advertisers out there who are doing great research, who are really moving the needle in terms of their analytics, it's because they have invested in the right people um, who are able to use those tools. It's not going to come from a push of a button um, or an automated report. There's been an awful lot of uh, sort of... We've had a period of stagnation followed by some really interesting sort of movement now in innovation here. If you had a magic wand to create an innovative new product for the whole industry, not just for Atlas, what would it be if you had a magic magic wand for innovation? Hmm. A magic wand for innovation. That's a great question. You know, I can tell you one of the areas where um, I think that there, there there is a disconnect between um, the different data sources and, and, and the hampering of, of new dollars coming online. It's, it's the fact that, um, you know, when you look at a lot of the analytics companies, be it third-party ad-serving companies like Atlas or DoubleClick or the site-site analytics companies like Omniture, um, <clears throat> there's, there's a gap between what we are measuring and, and what the panel companies um, uh, measure. And, and you had... Heather Doherty, just before me, who, who talked about what Nielsen Net Ratings does. And, and the benefit that they have is, is the whole idea that they are, they are watching specific people and have you know, demographic and psychographic information about those people, um, whereas the analytics companies, um, like the third-party ad servers and the site-side vendors, um, have a lot of rich information about um, transactions and about impressions and clicks that are occurring. And those two things are not matching right now. Those two things are not connected. And so, um, although, you know, we can tell you, hey, here's how many people you reached, here's what your frequency was, and here's how many of those people purchased, it's very hard for us to tell you, well, here's how many males, 18 to 34, you reached, um, and, and here is the, you know, the psychographic impact um, that occurred on, on these people once they got to your site. Um, and so my magic wand would be, if there is a way to connect those two databases, um, that would really open a new era um, of analytics and, and, and bring a lot of the brand dollars um, that, that are still you know, slowly coming into our space. I think that would accelerate that very quickly. 
Well, is there is there an option for analytics companies to provide data overlays from like zip codes, demographic studies? I mean, MSN and Yahoo are doing that now uh, on their uh, on their tools. MSN uses their own sort of panel data from Hotmail and IM, and same with yeah. Yahoo. So, is is that a possibility? You know, th- there's two ways that you can get profile information associated with kind of your 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 third party ad serving or analytics data. One is 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 through IP. And so there is a lot of geo targeting and a lot of geographic type information, even down to the zip code, um, but it's based on IP type information, which means that it's gonna be based on a sample, um, certainly not the entire internet. Um, the other area where um, especially the portals, like you mentioned, MSN and Yahoo are getting, um, you know, that kind of profile information is through registration data, um, which is contained from, you know, which which a lot of publishers have, where, um, you know, when people create a login account, they can add information about where they live or their likes and dislikes. Um, And there is certainly a way to link those two together, and that's where a lot of the targeting and behavioral targeting occurs. Um, There have been some other innovative examples where, um, where we've linked um, our cookies anonymously to um, uh, panels like the HomeScan panel, which is actually an AC Nielsen um, uh, capable, uh, panel, um, in, in which you're able to actually do tests where you can actually see who you're reaching online and see whether those people are buying more you know, Kix cereal or Kellogg cereal. Um, that's just an example, but you can actually tie panel data to... Um, to online analytics data, uh, it's just not an easy process to do that. It's a pretty involved process, and it can be done. Um, but those, you know, but those processes and those products are, are, are still kind of in their infancy. Wow, sounds like we're starting to see some convergence then occurring in the analytics space. What do you think make the best mashups and combined services? You know, the place where we're seeing convergence right now um, is first between. Um, the digital channels, and so uh, linking, you know, disp- you know, your, the web display data and the analytics uh, you're getting there with the search data, um, which obviously people are spending a lot of uh, of money on, um, and, and the the convergence that's occurring there is essentially being able to track multiple digital channels to the same. Uh, unique user IDs and, and, and getting a full kind of holistic view of those users. And so you're going to see that with, between search and display. You're going to see that uh, include rich media, and you're going to see that include things like web video. Um, and that's the first phase of the convergence. And, and, and we're already seeing that now. Um, we just came out with some research that showed that you know, when you, when you measure uh, you know, uh, the synergy between search and display advertising, um, that you can actually see that they help each other, uh, that display advertising increases conversion rates of search by 22% overall. Um, and, and that type of measurement you can't do unless you're actually measuring those two different channels on, a, uh, on an apples-to-apples comparison. Um, once those digital marketing channels are kind of contained and, and measured um, it, through, a, through, a single, um, through a single source, you're going to start seeing convergence occur across media channels, so things like TV and, and online. Um, and, and we're starting to do some of that with the video-on-demand uh, work that we're doing in that space. And so it's going to happen. It's going to first start in the online space and then move across uh, different media channels. Wow. 
So it's going to be like Minority Report someday when I walk into the Gap, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's our unfortunately, future. it's still yeah. all anonymous, uh, and, and that's it's, why we can do the great analytics that we do. Yeah, well, it's a little scary. Well, one of the things that, it, you know, in my naive view, it seems that we need to have standardization to, to, to prevent you know, sort of spillover and, and double-counting things. And I know at uh, AdTech Chicago, you told me that you didn't think standardization was possible. I thought that was a pretty provocative answer. <laughs> so could you elaborate on that? Because I know it's, it's still it's a big stumbling block for a lot of people in the industry. They bring it yeah. up, and then they say it can't be done. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you know, my point wasn't that standardization is impossible. Uh, my point is don't wait for standardization to happen because, um, you know, I, I get this question a lot about, you know, when is the IAB going to create standards that everyone adheres to? And, and the fact of the matter is that, that they're working really hard to do that, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. You know, standards happen for one of, you know, two reasons. Uh, you know, one is, you know, who has the power? You know, Nielsen in the TV world is the standard, and the, and they are the standard because they are essentially a monopoly, um, and 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 people love it and hate it. They hate the fact that it's a monopoly. At the same time, they're glad that that everyone's counting the same way, um, using one source for measurement. Um, in the online space, the challenge is the opposite. There is not a monopoly. There, there's there's you know. Thousands of different vendors um, and, and, and thousands of different publishers all using their own technology and all using that technology to differentiate themselves. Um, and so to try and wait, you know, to, to sit around and say, hey, I'm not going to do any analytics or rely on, or on any of these measurements or optimize anything because, I'm, because this, there aren't any standards is, is just not productive. It's not useful. Um, and so the advice that I give people is, hey, you know, don't wait around for industry standards. Create your own standards. Um, which means that you can adopt a technology that allows you to measure apples to apples across publishers, that allows you to measure across digital channels, and what you have is a consistent measurement uh, method because you're using a single source technology. Um, the, the, the problem that people get into now is that they rely on other people's reports. They'll rely on and ad networks reports for their CPA deals. They'll rely on Google uh, for their click counts. They'll rely on um, their site-site analytics vendors to tell them how many sales are occurring. And all of those things don't match. And so what they do is they burn a lot of time and burn a lot of energy trying to get all those things to match. And, 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 and I just tell you, I've, I've seen too many companies waste way too much time um, doing that rather than taking a single technology and making good decisions. I can attest to that. I mean, we have the same issue as a, we buy a lot of different types of products, not just search. We buy ads and, you know, a lot of online properties. And, yeah, you're dealing with sometimes very unsophisticated venues, and they don't have automated systems, so it's kind of messy sometimes. Yeah. Well, we're going to get close to wrapping up here, but I wanted to ask you, what's coming up with Atlas this fall? Are you got anything new to tell us about, uh, any new product rolled out? What's, what's it cool and exciting over at Atlas these days? Yeah. You know, what's... What I'm getting really excited about is the cross-channel type of analysis that I, that I mentioned before. It's, you know, as, a, as we've been talking about standards and we've been talking about uh, different measurement systems, and 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 one of the things that we found is that you know when you measure things in silos, you get a lot of double counting. In fact, we did a study that showed that, you know, when you look across your your network buys, 
um, you know, you could be double counting the sales and conversions from those buys by two to three X. In fact, that's very typical for large advertisers. Um, and a lot of the cross-channel analysis that we're doing, that we're showing advertisers, hey, there's this effect that's occurring uh, between your search and display buys that you're not thinking about, you're not measuring. It's something that people believe intuitively is there, but very few people have been able to quantify it. Um, and, and that type of measurement, you know, showing people that, hey, these people who are seeing your rich media are also, um, you know, searching and clicking on your sponsored keywords, and that those two things combined, um, you know, are, are greater than those things individually. Um, and that type of analytics is, is, is really starting to spawn right now um, and, and, and getting a lot of traditional agencies and a lot of advertisers who kind of gave up on, on, on you know, kind of brand advertising and, and the power of, of, of creating a holistic media plan and are just focusing on search or direct response. A lot of that kind of analytics is really bringing bringing back the brand dollars um, and, and showing how things are working together. And that's going to be a whole new set of analytics, a whole new set of tools um, that you see from Atlas um, around the end yeah, of the year. Wait, that's exciting. Because I tell you, I've been a little, <laughs> I've been a little frustrated waiting for, uh, for the whole world to come together and give me, because I'm one of those people who thinks it's easy. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. I really Thanks, appreciate Dana. you taking the time to talk with us. We're going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back. And when we do come back, we're going to be talking with Omniture's Chris Parkin. He's the Senior Product Marketing Director there. And uh, we have lots of cool things to talk about. So, again, thank you. We'll be right back. Sit tight and don't move. Ad Tech Connect. We'll be right back. Click Tracks, all new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zafolia.com, writes, Click Tracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what Click Tracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Wow, looks like you caught another one. Yeah, thanks. That uh, makes 23 so far. You're kidding me. I haven't caught a thing yet. Really? What kind of bait are you using? Same as you. Well, then maybe it's where you're fishing. What do you mean? Well, if you want to catch fish, don't throw your line out in the middle of a big lake. Take a smart look around for where the fish congregate, like over by this log. So I just have to look smart, huh? That's right. It's all about fishing where the fish are. Learn how you can fish where the fish are. Go to signup.looksmart.com. Sign up at looksmart.com. Hey, 
Captain's Log, Stardate 8130.3. Starship Enterprise on training mission to Gamma Hydra, Section 14. Identify for retina scan. It's Monty Khan. Khan, you've got Genesis. But you don't have me. You are going to kill me, Khan. You're going to have to come down here. The masses are starting to get online and get their identities and find new ways to make money in the marketplace, and I think they're all aiming their guns. You have a tendency to express ideas in military terms. Mr. Khan, this is a social occasion. Well, they are party animals. They do throw uh, some of the best parties in our industry, that's for sure. Evaluation, Mr. Spock. Crude methods, but effective. We posted our booth up next to uh, a booth that's giving away beer. How appropriate that is for you guys, huh? Hey, I've taken care of everything. All y'all got to do is just relax. Doctor's orders. If I don't see you next week, I'll see you in two weeks from now. Same time, same place. Khan, how do we know you'll keep your word? I promise you, be the master of your domain. Khan! Khan! <laughs> don't incur the wrath of Khan. Listen to Domain Masters, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, back to AdTech Connect, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back to AdTech Connect. This is Dana Todd. I'm standing in for Susan Bratton today. And uh, we've been talking about analytics. This is the analytics power hour. It's a very broad and, and it's often misunderstood industry because it covers so many different parts of Internet marketing and marketing in general, but uh, there's a lot of different ways to come at the, uh, the problem and the issue. So joining us as our guest today is Chris Parkin. He's the Senior Director of Product Marketing for Omniture, which is a, a very uh, leading industry uh, analytics package that works on a, what we call site side, or looks at user behavior on your site, looks at the, the value of your various ad buys, um, according to the, well, I'm probably doing a really bad job of explaining. Chris, why don't you tell me a little bit about Omniture, and maybe you can do a better elevator pitch than I can. And tell us a little bit about, about your background, because you came from the CRM side, which is very different. Yes, yes, I did, Dana. Thank you. Um, yeah, Omniture is fundamentally a very different um, business model and, and tech, technology platform and application than, than anything that I had experienced on the CRM side of the house. Um, CRM is traditionally focused on uh, capturing uh, transactions as they occur uh, with with customers across a variety of different channels. And Omniture, we focus primarily on uh, all of the online interaction with customers where we're dealing with uh, profoundly greater volumes of uh, transaction capture as well as uh, much uh, greater levels of granularity of actual online behavior. So today, um, we are a leading provider of online business optimization uh, technologies as we're expanding our, our portfolio of technology and solutions beyond uh, just the traditional web analytics. Well, how do you think analytics have progressed in the past couple of years since you've gotten into this space? What are the major areas you think seem, need to see the most innovation? Uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of progression uh, within the last couple of years. We've seen uh, companies moving on beyond just collection of the data 
uh, certainly need to do that and need to support uh, data collection across all of these new and exciting emergent technologies, uh, RSS, podcast, and rich internet applications. And uh, certainly we need to be focused on that, but then also making sure that all of that data that's being collected uh, is really enabling decisions inside of organizations, not just presenting reports that show you basic statistics of what's happening on the website, but providing keen insight into uh, decisions that need to be made, as well as providing some value-added recommendations on specific changes that can be made to, to actually optimize the business. And the area of, uh, pardon me, the area oh, of, of advancement that we're really seeing is uh, is moreover around the automation of a lot of that decisioning taking place. And I think that that's a great area of advancement for for the industry. What do you mean by automation? Well, uh, as far as, as we've been making like adjusting your ads on the fly and things like that. How how does that work as far as workflow support? Certainly. So as we have this great base of of information with which to work, and then we're applying very sophisticated analytics on top of that, presenting the information to the knowledge worker, regardless of their role uh, across the entire organization, certainly helps them take uh, take that information and take action on it. But then there are great opportunities for us to take that insight and basically automate it through uh, work workflow definition. One good example is definitely looking at the conversion metrics associated with specific keywords or keyword campaigns, and then maybe applying uh, goal-based business rules to automatically optimize the business rules that are applied to a keyword campaign to achieve uh, specific business objectives. So you mean like for, say, adjusting bids or, or making modifications? How does that work when you run into a situation like with Google? And I know a lot of the other providers of bidding tools are running into this where you've got um, a system that, that doesn't – it's like SEO for advertising. It's really complicated. It's much more difficult than just you know looking at a set of data in and make, adjusting a bid based on ROI. There's a lot of other factors that, uh, that are – certainly not even calculable because they're not exposed. How, how does one overcome that? Well, uh, basically, we, we're tracking both the pre as well as the post-click information. So uh, with our search center interface, uh, our application, it's one of our line of business applications that's built on top of our online business optimization platform. What we're able to do is consolidate all of the different search engines and the management of those engines and campaigns into one interface. That that provides us with some very clear visibility into the pre-click information, but then through uh, marrying that with our underlying analytics, we're able to then measure exactly what are uh, the post-click behaviors online. Now, uh, many of our customers aren't just focused on ROI. Uh, they might be focused on what are the keywords that, for example, drive uh, the greatest repeat visitor frequency if you're a media company? What are the keywords and campaigns that are driving those visitors deeper and deeper into my site, thus resulting in more advertising impressions? So we're able to specify very unique metrics and calculations to the keywords as well as the campaigns and apply business rules to optimize based on, on the business objective and actually do that across the various search engines. Hmm. Oh, that's it, it's it's like very exciting new technology. Yeah, I'd like to see a demo of that. So on a, just a fun note, what, 
just every day, what's your favorite tool or site that you use every day, besides Omniture, of course? <laughs> Certainly. Well, uh, as a marketer, uh, you, you know, I, I like to think of uh, maybe new and different words for a lot of uh, different uh, ways to describe what we're doing in, in our business. And uh, a tool that I really like to use uh, is called Visual Thesaurus. Um, and if you uh, have, have you used Visual Thesaurus? I have. I even bought the subscription. It's rad. Tell it, yeah. What, what, what's yeah, the weirdest really word great. you found lately on it? Oh, <laughs> actually, I'm just it's, looking at modest right now. Is the word? I, I don't know why I was actually. I, I typed in uh, Omniture to see if I could uh, see if we'd become so popular that uh, that there's now a thesaurus term for us. But no, unfortunately, there isn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so you're saying uh, that the synonym for Omniture is now modest? So that's uh, <laughs> or attempting to be right uh, in in spite of our success. So, uh, but ThinkMap has done a really great job. I think that this is. Uh, we're certainly leveraging a lot of very similar technology uh, in the visualization of our analytics, making uh, our analytics much more organic, both in terms of feel as well as dynamic information representation, recognizing that when you're dealing with a static business, um, the, the old methods of, of data visualization apply very nicely. But now with the companies that we're serving the AOLs, the eBays, the uh, New York Times of the world, they, they're running very dynamic, multi-dimensional businesses, and we have to be able to represent the information to them in, in new and innovative ways. So I think uh, mm-hmm. the visual thesaurus, in, a, in addition to being a great thesaurus, it uh, really provides information in a unique way. It's true. It is. For anybody who hasn't seen it, it really shows that like, you type in a word and it gives you a cloud, basically, of, of related semantics. So it'd be really neat if I could hook visual thesaurus in as a keyword generator. I've actually tried to use it for, for search keywords sometimes. It's pretty, it's pretty effective, although I do come up with some, some really random <laughs> components there. Right. So what are some of the new features of Omniture? You talked about being sort of automated decisioning as, as being something kind of new and cool over at Omniture. What are some of the new features that you're rolling out here in the in the short distance? Sure. Um, the, uh, the decision automation and the business uh, rules and workflow are, are definitely a, an area of investment for us. Um, but I'm most excited about technology that we recently deployed called uh, Action Source, which provides our customers with the ability to uh, track flex as well as flash-based technologies using uh, native action script. Uh, it dramatically improves the overall uh, uh, response, performance, and accuracy of, of tracking rich internet applications uh, developed in, in the Adobe technologies. And the, you the can previous see, like method, how long someone's been on a in a in a demo. How how what does it track? Sure. So, for example, if if there's a media playback, whether it's a demo or a video, we can uh, measure the number of ad impressions. We can measure uh, the percentage of playback within a particular video clip. But then also switching over to things like rich. Uh, internet applications specifically for dynamic shopping carts, drag-and-drop capabilities, uh, the Flex applications. We're able to uh, do a visual overlay to understand exactly what functionality is being utilized as well as uh, be able to see what are the successful uh, event criteria uh, for, for those particular applications. 
and track it using uh, native ActionScript technology. Well, that is cool, especially for people who do a lot of different kinds of buys, not just search. What are uh, some of the, the barriers to innovation that you see as being something that the industry itself needs to address? We talked a little bit about standardization in the last segment. What's, uh, what's Omniter's position on, on standardization? What do you think are the biggest barriers to, to everybody sort of getting along, holding hands, sharing data, and, and giving me, the advertiser, a really succinct look at, at my, uh, my buyer? Right. Uh, I I do believe that uh, standardization is certainly important, and there are uh, a variety of legitimate uh, standards out there. I think that uh, Omniture probably most most closely subscribes to what uh, uh, the work is being done uh, in the IAB. But beyond that, I think that most customers of ours are, are really just looking at the information and looking at how to leverage it to make better informed business decisions and optimize their online business and how that impacts their business across different channels. So frankly, they're they're not waiting for standards to necessarily be applied. Uh, I think that there's still a fair amount of work to be done on the standard side, but there is a a tremendous upside opportunity for companies just to act on the information that they have readily at hand. Um, To your prior question in terms of innovation, uh, frankly, I'm, I'm not aware of any barriers to the uh, to the innovation currently. Uh, I think Omniture's taken a pretty unique approach in that we've developed a, a platform to leverage all of our analytics capabilities and all of our data collection. Uh, and now we are applying that more and more to uh, line of business specific applications like our search center application, as well as making that data readily available, uh, both in terms of data access and uh, process automation with several of our key uh, technology partners. One of the criticisms that I've heard of sort of the enterprise analytics is that, yeah, they're great, but you need a PhD on staff to be able to work with it. What What are you seeing and what are you doing to make it easier for, for me to have someone who's maybe a, a middle-level analyst or a campaign manager be able to use a tool that is, frankly, pretty sophisticated? Sure. Uh, and, and there are definitely those uh, vendors out there that take more of kind of a, uh, a PhD or gaming type approach to their user interface and, and lots of kind of uh, interesting uh, visualizations. But uh, to your point, it is very difficult for the non-PhD or actuarian to be able to, to discern what it is that they're looking at. So we've actually enjoyed a very high degree of success in terms of user adoption with our technology. We have customers that are using anywhere in the hundreds up to over a 1,000 users of our technology from uh, from executives who receive uh, interactive dashboards that present their mm-hmm. mission-critical performance indicators, and, and they can have those constantly running on the background or in the background on their desktop or receive those KPIs to their uh, PDA. So uh, anytime, anywhere type access, but then also the frontline or the knowledge worker, uh, the um, uh, the campaign manager. We have a very uh, usable uh, interface that allows uh, users of, of varying degrees of sophistication to get in, get the information that they need, look at the reports that are going to provide them with the insight necessary to take action on their business. And we continue to see very strong user adoption within our clients. 
within and beyond uh, the online marketing function. When we look at, for example, how is the online channel uh, impacting overall uh, customer support from a a self-service perspective as well as deferring calls away from the contact center and how are our clients utilizing that information to dramatically improve the online uh, service capabilities. Or, for example, uh, uh, a leading clothing manufacturer and uh, an online retailer utilizing our information from uh, the information that we're tracking from one of their outfit configurators to be able to actually use that information as a leading indicator of, of demand and break that down by geography to understand how they should uh, merchandise their, their in-store displays. So Does that mean much- you're going to be doing some mashups? Because you mentioned uh, demographics like geography. We talked in the last couple of segments about this sort of convergence thing that's going on where different data providers are, are uh, swapping data or creating profile layers and maybe even doing data overlays. Is that something that we can look at to you guys to be doing in the near future as well? Uh, now, I, I don't believe that we are in the business practice of sharing uh, our customer data ac- across our, our various customers. Um, but what we definitely see within individual customers, they are taking uh, our capabilities to define what we call exographic profiles and very robust uh, individual visitor segments, uh, micro-segments, if you will, for uh, targeted remarketing and direct marketing. So, exographic, any sort of technographic demographic. Exographic. Uh, yeah, exographic. That's a good word. It's kind of fun. and uh, But we're building very, very robust profiles based on the atomic level of data that we're capturing online and marrying that with uh, offline uh, conversion-related information, uh, customer master information file or CRM information to make very uh, rich profiles uh, for uh, for engaging with customers online. Got it. Well, that's where your background with CRM probably comes in handy. So you brought up something I, I find quite provocative. You said uh, that you don't share data from advertisers. Obviously, you know, the privacy concerns and, and sharing data from one customer specifically to another, and that's pretty standard. But the bigger question I think is some people have brought up in the industry is who owns that data? This comes up oftentimes with the search engines. Does the, does the analytics provider own the data? Does the venue own the data? Does the client own the data? Who owns that? Right. Uh, Omniture's business model is such that we act as an agent uh, to perform the collection, the analysis, and the optimization of business processes on behalf of our customers. Our customers fundamentally own the data, uh, and and that is really a very strong value proposition to many of the best brands online that have chosen to do business with Omniture. Not only can we uh, collect the profound volume of information flowing over their websites to the tune of, gosh, I think last quarter it was 300 billion transactions that we measured on behalf of our clientele, and but then also provide them with the assurance that not only is our infrastructure bulletproof, but they own that data. It is their data. It's wow. not amateurs. 
Definitely. Well, that's definitely uh, something I think that a lot of advertisers would be looking at, particularly if you know they put a lot into their campaigns. They want to own the data entirely. Well, we're out of time. I'd like to uh, thank our guest today, Chris Parkin from Omniture. Thanks so much for joining us. And earlier we had Young Ben Song and Heather Doherty. So thank you all for joining us today. We will be back next week, same time, same channel. Thanks for joining us at AdTech Connect on webmasterradio.fm. We'll see you next week.